Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Our guest today is Dr. Dharmika Mystery, head of medtech at Cicada Innovations, Australia's pioneer deep tech incubator. Dharmika was also the scientific founder and previous chief scientist of BCAL Diagnostics, a small Australian biotech company developing a revolutionary blood test for the detection of breast cancer. Dharmika holds a Bachelor of Science Honours from the University of Sydney, majoring in microbiology and has a PhD in medicine from Macquarie University. Welcome to the show, Dharmika. Thank you very much for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Head of MedTech at Cicada? Yeah, sure. So I've got a background in STEM. So microbiology was my major at university. And then I ended up in, I guess, what you call biotech for 10 years. I had a little idea while I was researching at another startup, which then spawned into its own beast. And so I spent 10 years developing a blood test for breast cancer detection from my research and bringing that to life. So a lot of commercialization learning in that space. And then recently I jumped over to Cicada Innovations. So as you said, it's an incubator based in Sydney that allows me to really give back to all the people that are doing, trying to do what I did all those you know years ago and, and trying to solve really big problems by having startups and ideas and things that can really change the way we live. Yeah, I see. What drew you to working in the area of medicine and medtech specifically? Well, I suppose I've always been fascinated by science and, and, and the impact it can have and the ability to, you know, do really fun but also interesting things that can benefit society. And I guess that was the biggest draw card when it came to medtech. I didn't quite purposely invest myself into the healthcare space. It kind of came from a science degree and then into cancer research, I suppose you could say. And then through my learnings at the uh, startup where I was developing the blood test for breast cancer, I was really actually mostly interested in the science, but then I began to realize the impact of my research and what I was trying to achieve and the ability to benefit women around the world. So that purposefulness was really motivating and it allowed, and I guess that's what allowed me to keep going, you know? Yeah. So it's just the impact on society that yeah. could have from, from your research. That's right. When you were building your startup, and as you mentioned, you were really interested in, in the science behind it. How did you navigate between you know running a company, so that's the business side of it, and, and just the pure research? I think there's a transition that you go through. So I was traditionally trained as an academic, so you know, proper green no commercial experience, but I had the ability to think about my research and I learned this obviously by being around people in a commercial setting to think about the end goal of my research. So beginning with the end in mind is something that I always try to instill in people if they are thinking about translating their research. It's a really fine line. In many ways, things can be quite similar. So, you know, you have to go out there, you know, in research, you're trying to write for grants. In commercial world, you're trying to raise funding. You've got deadlines, you've got goals. They're slightly different. The pace can be a little bit different and the goals and the outcomes can be a bit different. Obviously, when you're in research, you're trying to publish papers in a commercial setting you're trying to commercialize something to bring it to reality and I guess for me it was starting out in the academic part and really focusing in on my research and trying to solve that problem and then thinking about the commercial 
pathway and transition at the same time as much as I could. So I did a lot of that during my PhD with two hats on, which was tough, but a really, really big learning curve and, and very beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And I can see that because you mentioned you started off with having the end in mind at the beginning mm -hmm. and then that helped you develop sort of strategies of, you know, once you focused on the research and done all the, the academic things around it, you focused on how you can make this commercially successful and distribute it around. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think you need to, it's a hard thing to do, but, you know, I guess zooming out when you're doing research is a practice that you should try and instill if you can. It's not about, not everybody wants to be a commercial entrepreneur, you know, taking their research out of the lab, but you just never know who else might want what you're doing or could apply it in a different way to then make a really big change, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Could you tell me a little bit more about the challenges that you had as someone who was purely academic at the beginning and then having to transition towards commercializing your, your research? I think just, you know, even little things like not understanding the pathway to what it, you know, to commercialization. What does it actually mean? People use this word all the time. Oh, yes, you know, you've got to commercialize your research. Well, what does that mean? And I think a lot of that is down to, I guess, understanding approvals that you need to do, clinical trials that you need to do, understanding very simple basic principles of intellectual property and understanding why you can't publish before you have a patent. Those sorts of core principles were challenging to learn but then made a lot of sense once you got uh, the knowledge around them and you understood how you could, I guess, fit that in with the academic work that you were doing and that mm -hmm. was very, very good. And then there's communication. So communicating science to a scientific audience was what I knew but then when you're communicating to people outside of your expertise it's a big big journey um, of learning and to do that well you need to do that well you must do that well because you've got to communicate something very complex to people that don't necessarily understand it for them to come on the journey with you and invest in you as a person and also invest in your company so for me, science communications is really underrated and I think it needs to be something that we do at all times and practice and learn because you could be standing next to anybody anywhere that could be interested in what you're doing. Yes, that makes sense. It's just a matter of whether or not you can communicate so that they understand the science behind it. That's exactly right. And and it's 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 opportunistic, right? You you want to be able to communicate it to your family and friends as well as everybody in the world because as you're seeing right now with COVID-19, communicating the importance of medical technology and healthcare and science around why we do what we do in this space has to be digestible for everyone in order for them to understand it and come on that journey. Oh, absolutely. So, Tarmika, you mentioned before that one of the pieces of advice that you'd like to give to future entrepreneurs is beginning with the end in mind. Could you elaborate a little bit more on what you meant by that? Yeah, so I guess... Beginning with the end in mind means setting yourself up for having some direction, I guess. Let's use my example. So I was working on a breast cancer blood test, but that's not how I started. I started by, you know, x-raying hairs using a synchrotron and identifying that there was some change in the hair due to somebody's lipid profile, so fats in their body. Now, if I was just focused on that narrow part and thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, yes, somebody should do 
a hair test and, and this is going to work. Like I can't work forwards. I've got to think about what is the end goal? What is my why? Why am I doing mm. this? Why is this interesting? And why could this potentially change the lives of women everywhere? And if I zoom out, it was the why is detecting breast cancer more effectively in women of all ages. That's the bottom line. So right now we use mammography, which is not that effective in women under the age of 40. And so therefore, by having this technology, it proposed a solution to women across the globe of all ages. And that's why the zoom out meant that I could then work backwards to understand what I needed to do to get to that goal. So I couldn't actually, in the end, have just a hair test because it wasn't standardizable, I guess, across the globe. People have different hairs. People do different things to their hair. And I ended up thinking about, well, how does, you know, how does breast cancer end up in someone's hair? Well, there's blood that, you know, circulates in between the, the two. So a blood test made more sense. And I went out and I spoke to people and tried to understand if this was a solution that people wanted. And it turns out they do. And so how do you get there? You've got to begin with the end of mind. What do you envision? Do you envision it going out to everybody around the world? If so, you need a lot of technology and a lot of partners and a lot of things that have to be in place to get there. And so you keep working backwards until you get back to where you started and you've suddenly got some direction. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is beginning with the end in mind has two parts of it. On the first part is really just a, a constant reminder of why you're doing this. And as you mentioned with the example, it was about understanding your research and how it could impact the lives of so many women out there. And the second part of it is trying to really work backwards with the research that you have to see how is it going to work. Exactly right. And I think, you know, without a vision and a why, it's very hard to go on this journey of translating an idea. Yeah. So Dharmika, what sort of steps did you take initially when you began to develop your startup? Well, I guess at the very, very first instance, when you're taking an idea from research to reality, you really have to start by testing and validating if it is even a worthwhile opportunity to build a business around. So again, we come back to the, you know, begin with end in mind. But you really have to research and work to understand what it is you want to achieve and why, and not build a solution for the sake of building a solution. You have to go out and actually validate the problem space. So as I said earlier, mammography is something that exists, but there were some limitations around it. So I knew there was a solution that could solve the problem. So you have to have something like that. So when you start out, you should actually be thinking about a new idea in the context of are there customers and markets? you know, that can actually use your technology? Are there people willing to pay for it? Is it different enough that they will come on board with what they're, you know, compared to what they're familiar with? And I guess most importantly, is is there a big enough market for what you're trying to go for? And again, most importantly, who else is out there doing this? You have to know all of this up front before you invest a lot more time and money to, to get out, like to before you basically go out and build something and go and sell it, you need to do this because it can really shoot you in the foot if you don't. And because if you don't have a viable sort of you know business model or market or a solution that actually fits a problem, then it's just a it's just a hobby. Hmm. And I guess yeah, I think that's where you start. And you have to be able to, I think, move quite quickly is the is the biggest thing for me. So when you were going out there trying to validate 
whether or not the problem actually exists. So it's essentially trying to create a solution for a problem rather than developing a problem for a solution. With a medtech or a medicine-based technology, do you target B2C, just people in general, or, or is it more hospitals and clinics and things like that? It's a complex, complex situation in healthcare. Your end user may be a patient, but your customer may actually be somebody else, right? Because you may be selling to a hospital or a clinician, or even in my case, a pathology group. And for that reason, you need to speak to all these people to understand whether you fit into this market, whether this, you know, it makes sense what you're doing and would they use it? And yes, maybe the woman in my case thinks a blood test is way better than having a mammogram. But do the you know clinicians think that they would get on board and do this? I had to have that conversation really, really early on. There's so much risk when you're trying to take an idea to reality. There's customer risk, there's market risk, and then there's technical risk. Can you actually achieve what they want you to achieve? Let's say they say, you know, we need 99% accuracy in order to adopt your blood test. Can you do that? Wow. And it seems that when you have, you know, these these differing people that you need to talk to to consult with regarding your idea, everyone may have a different perspective on what the problem is and how it's going to be solved. How did you navigate between that? Yeah, I think it's it's much like science. You need data and insights and yes, everybody will have a different opinion, but if you talk to enough people and gather enough data, eventually a trend will emerge. You will see that, you know, there is a benchmark in, you know, when you're doing a diagnostic test, which is what I was developing, there are specific benchmarks around sensitivity and specificity and efficacy that need to be met, right? These sort of frameworks must be in your plan or you should understand that as part of your competitive assessment or market assessment before you start running around building something, right? You have to know where you're going and what you're trying to achieve. And so at the end of the day, you do need to have support from your key opinion leaders in a healthcare model. So if you're, in a, if you're doing something in medtech, you usually will need clinical support to advocate for your technology. And therefore, that is very important when you're talking to lots of different groups and each stakeholder, you know, the end user versus the clinician versus whoever else is in your value chain has to be treated independently as a separate customer. And you need to make sure that you solve a problem for each of them in order for your technology to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell me a little bit more about getting that clinical support? Sure. So I think if we take a step back, you need to think about your technology and who matters. And that a great way to do this is actually using something called the business model canvas or lean canvas. It's a tool that allows you to sort of distill an idea into segments and understand who your key customers are, what it is you do for them and how you solve the problem. And then you start to think about all the part, very, very high level parts of a business that may be useful. So you write all this down and you think about what it is that you want to do. And then you go out there and you think about, all right, who matters? And you go and ask them, what do you think of this? And you may ask them questions about, you know, their current problems, what, what they struggle with, what they want to you know, what they want to achieve, what's their why, basically. And you take those notes away and you learn and you think about it and you write this down on your business model canvas and plan and adapt. And, and you may end up finding a whole set of customers you didn't know existed. So, for example, here at Cicada Innovation, we have a company that do uh, 
visualization of tear film or tear film in their eye and they were a med tech company by trade like that's what they were like this is what we do they're called beyond 700 and suddenly they realized oh this could be really useful in space because astronauts you know need a method of also checking um their eyes and it, they've ended up becoming sort of a space company and it's kind of like the more people you speak to <laughs> the more you realize where you could end up and what you could do with your technology yeah so the business model canvas just acts as sort of a, a guideline framework. Well, yeah. So if you know, if I could go into a little bit more detail about that, it's you know, it's a one pager, right? We're talking ditch when you're in the early days, ditch that business plan that you've seen all over the shop. Don't invest all that time into something. Again, it comes down to time and money you don't have in the early days. Think about it as a template that covers assumptions about problems. You, you know, the problem you're solving with what solution, the people you're solving it for why people should buy from you and what your competitive advantage is, uh, mapping out at a very high level the channels that you will use to reach your customers, trying to figure out how you'll make money and then, you know, what it costs you and how you measure your performance. That's essentially in one page what you should be able to distill. Yeah. And you should be going out there and talking to people and each time people say, oh, mm, mm no, 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 or yes, yes, yes. You tick things, you cross things out, you try again and you reiterate that one pager very quickly because you don't need to sit there and rewrite a whole whole damn business plan because that will just <laughs> take way too much time. Yeah, definitely. So it's just always trying to sanity check your startup. Yeah, and and make sure you're, you've got a North Star, like in, you're going in the right direction. Yeah. So lastly, Tamika, what is one myth that you'd like to debunk working in med tech and medicine and startups that the general public seems to have? I think it's that entrepreneurship is all glory and success. So it really isn't. It's fun, don't get me wrong, and it can be very worthwhile, but it is a very long journey. It is a very hard journey. You will face more challenges than you know successes in the very early days and in med tech and deep tech this can be years and it takes some serious resilience so I think the other thing is trying to when when I say be honest with yourself it's kind of like saying maybe you aren't the person to take this technology or idea from research to reality but you can definitely find people around you or in industry or anywhere really to help you to still achieve that goal there is not just one pathway to, to bringing things to life. And I also think, you know, your authenticity is the most important part of success. You know, if you can't, if you reach a wall, you've got to be able to say to yourself, okay, this is not for me anymore and this is what I need to do in order to plan to move forward. So I think a lot of people think that it's a, a fun, cool area to work in. It is. But there is a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice that comes with it and, you know, managing of time and money and, and people and, and things like that that, that that matter, that really, yeah. really matter. Yeah. And it's just about being self-aware to see where are your skills and exactly. if, if you're capable of commercializing something like this. At the same time, I can sort of understand that once you've developed your own research, you, you, you do want to be the one to, to commercialize it as your brainchild. Yes, exactly. And it, it can be hard to let go of, but I guess you've got a way up. Oh, well, I want it to succeed. So if I can't do this effectively, then I need to bring on the people that do do it effectively. And I think that's that takes a lot of, like you said, self-awareness. And in, in many cases, it, 
it doesn't happen, but a lot of the time founders generally remain as part of the journey, but not necessarily the people that are leading it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Genesis of Startups, Dharmika. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And can I just plug one thing? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) People are interested in learning more about some of the things that I've touched upon. We're actually launching a free, a free MedTech Foundations, like, series online on the Cicada website. So if you are interested, it's there. It's free. It's a resource. Go for gold. It's about six six modules that cover a lot of what we spoke about today. Yep, absolutely. To our audience, I hope that you found what we've talked about today with beginning with the end in mind. Incredibly valuable. If you'd like to learn more about Dharmika or about Cicada, feel free to check out the website Cicada Innovations. Until next time.